2: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Robert Borsak is a member of the Senate in the state of New South Wales in Australia. He represents the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers political party and is one of two seats in New South Wales held by that specific political party. I wanted to reach out to Robert because Australia and its hunting culture and the species that, it, that they chase, it's a very, very species-diverse country to hunt in. Yet hunting opportunities are limited, especially in the public ground scenario. And so I wanted to get a hold of Robert because he's been in politics for about 11 years, 12 years, he's been a hunter for 30 years, I wanted to understand the grounds and where he sees hunting in New South Wales and where it's going. For someone who's not from Australia, this is a fascinating conversation into the culture of hunting and the culture of a society outside of your bubble that you typically live in, wherever you're listening to this around the world. So here's the Here's the cool thing about, um, obviously, number one, I get the the position that we're in at Blood Origins is we get to speak to so many interesting people all around the world, and um, especially people that are are named very famously, like Robert, like Robbie, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah, good name. Good name, exactly, exactly. But I'll tell you the difference. My only difference is that nobody's ever called me Robert in my life. The only person who calls me Robert is my mother, and she happens to be Australian. And uh, so she's got when to be a good mad person. At me. Yeah. When she's mad at me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I was actually just in your, in your fair country, in New South Wales. Uh, I literally arrived home 10 days ago.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah.
2: My mom's originally from Sydney. She lived in Sydney until she started following my dad all around the world. And uh, then they lived in Port Stephens. Lived in Port Stephens for about 18 years. Right. And uh, my dad died uh, almost two years ago, and so we went home finally to scatter his ashes. And she's moved into Sydney and just to see the family and whatnot. So I was in your backyard.
0: Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Um, Where in Sydney did you live?
2: Uh, We were in Warriwood. She bought a little complex in Warriwood.
0: Right, right. I live in I live in Ashfield, which is sort of about eight or nine k's from the centre of Sydney, from the GPO, as they say, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. very metropolitan, very now inner west uh, of Sydney, very yuppie. Well,
2: uh, are you a yuppie, Robert Borsak? <laughs> By
0: definition, I'm not. <laughs> By definition, I'm well, not. No.
2: Well, Robert Borsak, welcome to the Blood Origins Podcast. I'm extremely excited to have someone like you on. Uh, We like to keep things, uh, you know, we like to keep things, what's the word I'm looking for? Interesting, in terms of our guests and who we bring on. And uh, I'm going to do a horrible job introducing you, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Oh, I might do a horrible job at that too, but I'll give it a go. Um, I suppose you might say that I'm... uh... I'm a lifetime hunter although I didn't uh start that way. Um what I am these days is a uh a politician although again I didn't start out that way. Um I started oh, I guess I go back even further I'm the on the son of uh uh migrants that came to Australia after World War 2. Um lived in Sydney. My father was uh, a victim a Polish victim of the uh concentration camps. He survived. So
2: Polish descendants?
0: Yeah, my father's Polish and my mother's Dutch. Okay. Um, And, uh, yeah, they came to Sydney when I was about 10 years old. My father sold everything up and took us to communist Poland, which was a a life experience (laughs) like you've never seen before. Amazing. Yeah. um, But it was good for us, my brother, myself, and my sister. Um, We saw something of the world that we would have otherwise never seen. We saw communism in action uh or in action i should say um i met uh you know all my polish relatives and i've had a, a close connection with poland ever since uh going right right up to this present day um met my uncle who uh was a was a very keen hunter up to about the age of 92. um living here in sydney um it's completely different i was listening to one of your podcasts there. I think you were talking to uh, Matt Renella about public mm-hmm. land hunting and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um uh I, it's something that um uh, has only recently been introduced into Australia certainly in New South Wales. Uh but I'm sort of getting ahead of myself a bit there. Um look, I'm an accountant by profession. Uh, I retired in 2002. I'm still a businessman. Um my political activities really only boil down to Uh, Being a member, uh, chairman of the Shooters Party, which uh, was incorporated in 1992 and uh, we've evolved to something called the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party these days in the New South Wales Parliament uh, and also in the Victorian Parliament and also we had someone in most recently in Western Australia.
2: Didn't you just get someone into the actual National Parliament from your party? No. Didn't I see that on the news in Australia? Big fella with huge beard?
0: <laughs> well he's, he's, he's actually a shooter but he's a member of the Labour Party.
1: Uh,
0: okay. And uh, okay. He's, uh, he's, he's representing a seat. Uh, uh, you would know probably know where it is up the Hunter Valley, up the Hunter River. Oh perfect. Up yep, there. Yep, yep. And uh, it's a seat actually that we will be quite interested in um, come the state election in March next year. And uh, obviously he's at the federal level as you say. We're we're very much focused at the state level. We've got mm-hmm. two members in the Senate, of which I'm one, uh, and I'm the mm-hmm. leader of the party. And then we've currently got two members in the lower house, which is the uh, Legislative Assembly. Um, and uh, yeah, our our the way politics works in Australia. And if you've been brought up for a while in Australia, you begin to understand that we don't have the luxury or the um or the of having the rights that Americans take for granted. Um, the other side of the coin too is the animals that are uh, listening again to your podcast and others from America, they talk about conservation all the time. Well, conservation here in Australia uh, means uh, trying to get rid of poison, shoot from helicopters, get rid of all the animals we love to hunt and conserve if you're in North mm-hmm. America or in Europe. So you know, that, what I'm talking about there is primarily the deer uh, species mm-hmm. that we have in Australia. And there are six deer species in Australia. New South Wales has about, I think, three or four of them, um, which are endemic, and the numbers of those animals are growing. Uh, yeah, I said I retired in 2002. Um, I'm still actually in business, although not actively. Uh, I've got business in you know, investments in various companies, um, which is no secret. I only came actually I was chairman of the party for many, many years. Um, And I was chairman again in 2010 after I I had nearly, what, eight years of fantastic semi-retirement where I was just hunting all over the world. It was just... (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, I um, one of our members suddenly died, literally overnight, and uh, the party asked me whether I would like to take it over. And I never saw myself as being a member of parliament, um, but I said, yeah, look, I'll give it a go. And Right, and uh, and I've been there ever since. I've been re—I finished his term. I re- I was re-elected again in 2015, and I'm up for re-election again in 2023 next year in March. So there's um, it, it's a constant battle here in in Australia, and certainly in New South Wales. You've got. Right. Uh, I was trying to think of something to say that would make re- be relevant to uh, your listeners. Um, how we you, you would uh, cl- classify Hunting and shooting, and even fishing here in uh, New South Wales, and probably the rest of Australia, but certainly New South Wales and Sydney is sort of like um, uh, California woke on steroids. Right. You know. Um, right. They don't want you to have guns. They don't want you to go recreational fishing. Um, the animal rights people are building up seats in the in the parliament as well.
2: How many seats does the Animal Justice Party have in New South Wales right now?
0: Well, they, they have two seats in the Upper House, the same as us. Okay. And those seats were achieved in the last... One each in the last two elections, whereas we've been actually represented in the Parliament for... Uh, well, since 1995, when our first member was elected. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then in 1996, we had, the, uh, we had the massacre in Tasmania, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just mm-hmm. been an uphill battle ever since. I mean... Uh, Australia lost its connectivity with firearms. Uh, people that live in Sydney, you've got what the best part of uh, just over five million people live in Metro Sydney. It's a big city, and mm-hmm. uh, they have people have no connection with the land anymore. Um, you, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a state with eight million people; over five million live in Sydney. Um, um, you know, but basically, there's people here that have just never left the left the city to go bush. Right, And so they have no connectivity with it. They just expect it to. Well,
2: that's, that seems to be a, a common denominator across the world, right, in terms of the loss of connectivity to nature, to Mother Nature, to yeah. how she works, yes, um, what you get from it, how your body responds, how your neurons fire. All of that is, 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 a, is becoming lost on the greater society, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, that's right. So,
2: Robert, you've been in politics in New South Wales fair statement, 10 years, a little bit over 10 years in the position that you're in?
0: 11 and a half years, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. about right.
2: In those 11 and a half years, do, have you seen policy... Or maybe maybe policy is the wrong question here. Have you seen increasing opportunities for hunting in New South Wales in those 11 and a half years? Or we status quo? Or are we sliding?
0: Well, interestingly enough, um, uh, to answer your give you the quick answer it's increasing okay um uh, and then you might say well why well when i started hunting there was no such thing as public land for example Um, right right and and still in most states of australia uh, there is no such thing as public land hunting there is some public land hunting in victoria uh, and some public
2: which is really like the mecca of public land hunting in australia if you could call it the mecca well, it's, it's, well, it's, it's got substantial Highland public land that you can
0: hunt. You, you do, but you're really only limited to one species there, and that's you li- hunt, hunt samba deer. That's it. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Whereas in New South Wales, in uh, after a great battle, and, and I, I must say, um, Robert Brown, one of our previous members in Parliament, and been a long associate of mine, he uh, he uh, and I worked right from the day in 1995 when we had the first election. We had the concept that. We wanted to see public land hunting in New South Wales, and we and then and it took until 2002 when the legislation was passed, and it took till 2006 when we finally got our first land hunts in February 2006 start, started. So there's something like um, one and a half million hectares of public land in New South Wales that's available, and it's the basically it's mostly the state forest template, in other words, uh, crown land. State, used in theory for and, and in practice, of course, for growing and harvesting timber and that, that those lands are have got all sorts of animals in it. They've got samba, they've got uh, fallow deer, they've got pigs, they've got foxes, you know, rabbits, wild, you know, feral cats. You name it, it's in there. And every one of those species, those non non-native species, are are up for the business in terms of hunting and. Uh, uh-huh. Again, it's on the basis that they are pest and invasive species that this whole thing gets up. Because again, you know, the deer, animals we would love to have and love to manage um, in in a sustainable way. Um, that's an argument for that we continue to make and we're not winning that. But um, we're seeing a lot more. Um, there's been a, a massive growth actually in the number of, uh, of deer on private property all over the state. Right. Um, mostly fallow deer, and, and a lot of property owners... And
2: people almost adopting like a, a, a... I don't know if you've heard this terminology in America, but it's almost like a quality deer management type approach, right? Understanding what it takes to grow a better deer, healthier deer, bigger deer, and very sustainable, selective management of those deer herds.
0: Well, that, that actually happens in Tasmania, but the primary concern in New South Wales is just to get rid of them. Um, and we come in. Okay. We come in on that. We actually, when we started, what we the organisation we started, which I was chair of for nearly all all the time that it existed before the current government destroyed the organisation, was the Game Council of New South Wales. And one of the things we did was introduced exactly that the quality deer management approach, and we called it. I'm um, just trying to think. We called it. Um, well, we called ourselves conservation hunters for a start. And, right. and I got a bit of a kicking off the media. How can you be a conservation hunter when you kill things? But I, th- yeah. That's when I had to explain to these turkeys that conservation and killing is two different things. Uh, mm-hmm. And they don't understand that and didn't want to understand it. Um, that was about the time when I, w- I was put on the front pages of the newspapers with my dead elephants <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. If you Google my name, name up, that's what you'll see. Uh, and I'm terrifically proud of it.
2: Good.
0: In fact, I released those pictures into the media a couple of years earlier uh put them on a couple of big game websites where i wrote some articles and uh, when i was asked by the newcastle herald about them did i hunt elephants? i said of course they are and if you go to this website you'll see them and uh that's that's only two elephants of the of the eight or ten that i've shot in the last 30 years <laughs> um covid sort of slowed me up a little bit but uh, i've still got right right i've still got a 406 i've still got a 500 i've got a couple of double rifles if i get inclined that way i'll go back again but uh for sure. I'm sure, I'm not on the agenda at the moment. But so, I think the long answer to your question, or the short answer is yes. I, the opportunities are there. The opportunities are growing. Um, uh, the change of the environment from a farming point of view uh, has made, especially now we've had, we're into second or third year of really wet seasons here in Australia. Right. And right, it's made the growing conditions so fantastic. We've been, I uh, we we have our basically our fallow rut, for example, runs in. In uh, late March through April, the reds, the reds, run right at the same time, and they are just producing. These are just wild bush heads producing some beautiful, uh, beautiful heads, and also producing some beautiful meat. Absolutely fantastic meat. I, mm-hmm. You know, I, I had a, uh, we had, I had a meal with some friends at the Polish Club um, last night, actually, and the chef, I got him to uh, to bake a haunch of uh, uh, fallow, only a, a yearling, and that haunch just by itself with the leg cut off cut down, was over five kilos and, and an incredible uh, meat in, oh an absolutely incredible meat, yeah, so you know I, I we're going all right, but it's a real battle here, not just on that front, but it's also a battle for us to retain our our right or, or the, as they say it's only a privilege to have the firearms that we need to, to continue doing what we're doing and um,
2: Robert, the how about you know there's several rabbit holes that I'd like to d- dive down, and the first one would be perceptions. Do you think, in when you talk about hunting, you talk about, as you say, conservation hunting? Are you still good getting pushed up against the barrier of, and I know the colloquialisms for Australians, and I'll say them, and then I'll I'll couch it for the American audience, the yabbos that are in the back of the ute in a wife beater <laughs> at night spotlighting yeah. deer and shooting yeah. and shooting whatever they want and just leaving it right and what I just said was yobbos are idiots or you know whatever you want to call them and a ute is a truck uh, in Australia are you still battling that and is that still very pervasive
0: um well, look I think the a- short answer to that is no um and that's only because of our activities um Nobody attacks me anymore. Whether it's on Facebook, unless it's some idiot from overseas, they just gave mm-hmm. up. I mean, I, you know, I've got a hide thicker than a rhino, so none of that stuff works. Um, the media have even given up talking to me about it because um, th- there's still pockets of it that appears every now and then. But the reality is that uh, 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 they, the media, general media, by and large, accepts the validity of what we're doing uh and it it's uh especially if you're not going to be wasting the animal now the government's Mm -hmm. actually in the last two or three years in new south wales have been running and the victorians are doing it too have been running a program of helicopter shooting uh deer
2: so new south wales helicopter shoots deer out of the national forests. yes
0: that's right out of out of the national parks and and uh and victoria's doing the same too because they've got a massive Samba population down there that mm-hmm. uh, they're shooting. O- I mean, legitimately, they estimate they're shooting over 60,000 Samba a year in Victoria and still can't control the numbers.
2: But it's, a nece- it, but it's a necessity, right? You hear hunters come on public forums and say, oh my God, the government's going in, they're shooting all these deer, and, and what I'm about to say is controversial. But let's be honest for a second. The hunting community cannot manage the numbers of deer that need to be managed
0: well look i i think i think the answer to that is yes you're right um the the hunting community in victoria and even the same in new south wales and it would be the same in queensland with their rooster deer populations uh, and and chittle deer populations and red deer up the brisbane valley there just aren't enough recreational hunters out there that that are able to get out often enough to kill the deer that keep the numbers at a level that's sustainable. Um, the reality is in Australia and certainly in New South Wales is that the deer have a status of game in New South Wales, which they don't have anywhere else. But if the property owner that is feeding those animals wants to treat them as a pest, shoot them and let them rot, then they're perfectly entitled to do that. Uh, whereas if they value them and want, to get hunters on their property to hunt them uh, for meat or trophies, then uh, all the better uh, they're encouraged to do that as well. Certainly on public land, the underlying assumption is that you're going to go on that public land and shoot all those animals primarily as a pest management process. But the Game Council or the, or the hunting, DPI hunting as they call it now, encourages ethical hunting, encourages the, the use of those animals none of it to be wasted and if you look at any of the any of the Facebook pages that are up there for those communities um, it's full of really really good stuff I mean people are getting out there getting opportunities to hunt that I never had when I was a youngster uh, and uh, and 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 kill these animals and eat them kill them for trophies and you know utilize them in uh, you know, all the things that are necessary. So I think our future's pretty bright um, as long as we can keep that, keep that sort of situation rolling. But keep in mind that that's all being done under the guard of the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party because um, there, there's no political party other than ours in, in Australia that defends shooting, defends hunting, whether that hunting's with a firearm or with a bow, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know We've seen situations in New South Wales as early as late as sorry 2018, when they actually, the, s- the state government at that time tried to actually shut down, all, basically all of the saltwater recreational fishing on the coast, including the Sydney Harbour, um, and we campaigned it.
2: That's insane. Well, like how does how does the fishing community or just general public go? That's insane. Well, uh, they do, and just stand up and say that is not appropriate. Like the whole Victorian fricking Animal Welfare Act coming after. Ag and all fishing. Everyone should have been like, "What is this?" Well, I, I agree
0: with you. It's, it's I mean, they, they, they just—I don't know—they're just so lazy. But look, I mean, w- again, we've we've taken the political uh, stick to the government uh, in New South Wales at that time. We campaigned against it, and uh, and because I suppose because of the proximity to it in August 18, election coming up in March 19, they didn't want to. They didn't pursue it because it would be electorally too too difficult for them. But it was mm-hmm. an exercise in virtue signaling to the, um, to the elites, whether they're right wing or left wing, you know, people who, well, we don't want those dirty fishos coming anywhere near our, our ramps where we're going to park our big boats, you know, or we won't mm. let you fit okay. you know, that, it's okay. all that sort of, uh, all that sort of nonsense. And look, the reality is fishos shows-
2: But this, these are the same people that have, and this is, I think the beautiful, you know, one of the pluses of, of Australia, especially a place like Sydney. That people may not know, you know, Sydney downtown metropolitan, arguably the most valuable real estate in the world, arguably. And next to five million dollar homes or multi million dollar skyscrapers, you have community housing for the less fortunate.
0: Well, even, even that one's gone. That's that's been sold off by this government. It's being redeveloped, <laughs> but I. I, but I Really? Yeah, but, uh, but you, you can take your Jeez. comment quite correctly, in that is, right. is that access to the waterfront isn't restricted. That's still right. public access for 90% of the waterfront, and you can still get on the wharf and fish. You know, you can still fish in Sydney Harbour.
2: Well, let me use a different example. Like, you know, small coastal towns in, in Australia that are very, you know, you can just, even like in... Um, just like in Warrywood just outside of Sydney, a suburb in Sydney. You've got million-dollar homes right on the, the ocean front, and you have an RV campground.
0: Absolutely, right yeah.
2: Right yeah. there. And everyone is it's, – it's an open access, open sort of equality. This is our resource, and everybody has access to it. not a verse, There's no class system in terms of access, as you say. Yeah,
0: that's right. But, you know, that doesn't stop them saying that, all. Well, you know we don't we don't really want your smelly uh, dead fish heads on our wharf, um, <laughs> and you know uh, and and keep in mind the only reason there was two reasons why they stopped. First of all, uh, we activated a fishing community that's estimated to be up to nine hundred thousand people that fish recreationally in New South Wales at least once or twice a year. So
2: it, it's very. What's the population of New South Wales? Uh,
0: about eight point two million. Okay, and and you've got five point that's over five million living in sydney greater metro sydney so um so the, the, they don't have any issues with with just shutting things down if it suits them i mean on a slightly related but unrelated area um in 2015-16 the state government simply overnight decided they were going to shut down greyhound racing they just said oh all you people are despicable you know you you know yeah. you live bait um yeah, and that's very, very, very working class to take your example, right? And they just uh-huh. said, uh, the, the Premier then, Michael Baird, said, well, um, he just got on Facebook one day and announced, I'm shutting Greyhound Racing down in 12 months. Goodbye, piss off. Oh, are uh-huh. you? Well, you, uh, when were you governed to, when were you, sorry, when were you elected to rule us? You were, gov- you were elected to govern us, not rule us. I mean, what uh-huh. gives you the right to do that? Anyway, in the end of the day, um, plus that and a couple of other things, we, that, that's in, in a by-election in 2016. That's when we were, won our first lower house seat. It was a good campaign for us. Stupid politics from their point of view, but they don't, lose, they don't learn anything because they're very arrogant. So mm. um, anyway, I won't go too deeply down that rabbit hole. as you so. one,
2: one thing that you, you, you mentioned and, and you sort of glossed over, but I wanna, it's one of the other things that I wanted to talk through with you And there's a lot of sensitivity to this in Australia, specifically. Which is, you talked about in New South Wales, your deer species are classified as game. And in in other states in Australia, they're classified as pests and nuisance species. For the general public that is not Australian, explain that, number one, and then sort of maybe we can get into the whole difference between the two. And what we're what we are aiming for at the end of the day. Well, yeah, that's
0: you've you've picked on a very interesting um, thing, and I might just start in a in a slightly different spot and work my way to it. I in 1982, I was a foundation a member of Safari Club in Australia. Uh, we set up a chapter with me and about four other guys, four or five other guys. They're all dead, and I'm still going. So that's oh, no, sorry, one of them's still going, <laughs> although he's he's retired and given up hunting. But um, and. After a while, I became president of the local chapter. And uh, and I, look, I'm a life member, uh, obviously, to this day. But the, the one of the things we used to argue with them about was, well, you know, they used to say to us, well, look, we're doing all these good things for, for, for hunting and we're doing all these good things for gun rights and everything. And, and our retort to that was because they were looking for more of our money. We used to, in the, no, that, right. exactly. you know, that's what it always gets down to. And we used to have some fantastic fundraisers, you know. Uh, and they used to have all these rules, and you had to send them so much money. And we just basically refused to send it. And anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up having a couple of meetings with a couple of these characters in uh, in Hollywood there somewhere. I can't even remember when, back in the 90s. And I said, you you don't really understand, do you? You, you don't understand that everything you like to do, you know, first of all, your money, your money that you spend on gun rights in America doesn't doesn't affect us in any way shape or form i mean you have to understand we have no rights in australia number one we have no Mm -hmm. constitution other than that was which was basically an administrative document passed by the parliament in london you know 200 years ago Mm -hmm. whatever it was um so so and the and the other thing is you have to understand every animal that you loved uh, that you call conservation is a pest in australia Okay, Because the native animals in Australia are kangaroos and wallabies and echidnas and all those sorts of things. And um, the animals that have been introduced by the acclimatisation societies, especially on the east coast, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania, uh, all those animals were introduced at a time when... You know, everything was very English, and we actually had deer chases. The area I'm living here in Sydney used to be in the, uh, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, was a deer chase. It was the third land grant in the state. So someone had brought some deer here somewhere and let them go. So we fast-tracked to where we are now, 200 over 200 years later, and we have these animals because we've done so much in conversion of the landscape to agriculture it's made it absolutely so favorable for the species that were introduced up to 200 220 30 years ago they are now overrunning the place in many areas and that's what you were alluding to before that that's what we were talking about with about the samba so i'm 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 losing i'm losing track of what i was trying to say so yes no. so so yeah i think i've got it again <laughs> uh, so i was trying to say to them well look you know, it's no use us sending you all our money. We need to keep every penny that we've got here to try and, first of all, keep our guns because we've got to fight against uh, a government that wants to take them off us. And, mm. and secondly, both state and federal, and secondly, all the animals that you love, we love too, but the trouble is they're all being treated as pests here. And, right. and, and they'll either poison them, they'll shoot them, they'll trap them, you name it, they'll do it. Because to them, it's more important to conserve the kangaroos And the wallabies and all the other things, and I I get that that makes sense entirely, uh, because they're unique fauna, unique landscape, etc. 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 So does that does that come close to?
2: Well, let me ask this, and I'll 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 guide you from here on out um, to see where we can, as we can pick through this. So you mentioned in New South Wales. So let's just answer a couple of questions in New South Wales. Is is deer classified as a game species, or is it? Across the board, deer are classified as a pest-invasive nuisance species.
0: Well, it, it, when we set the Game Council up, we declared them as a game species, but there are aspects of being able to manage in the, in the detail of how you drill down into those things as to how you manage them. So if you want to treat them as a game animal, like we used to have an open and closed season for them because we, okay. were, we, we were involved with the ethics of shooting Animals, you know, obviously shooting females when they had fawns at foot and all that sort of stuff. Um, That was overturned um, about, Uh, oh, I don't know, 2012, 10 years ago now, 9 or 10 years ago, as as an example. And there's a few other things like that. uh They removed removed the need for a license because we said, if you want to hunt these animals and you want to hunt on public land, you've got to get a license. And then that came with education, that came with all those things that come along, uh, even comes with insurance, because you're on public land.
2: Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, our, our friend Shane Broadby uses a term called new native. I don't know if you've heard him say that. For these deer, that they're new natives, and that, as you said, they've been on the landscape 200 years, 250 years the, the flora of Australia is certainly unique and so is the fauna. And they're still there. Like the, the, the balance of the ecosystem is obviously imperative. As you said, these deer species can at, you know, and dare I talk, dare I throw in Brumbies at the same time. And the reason I throw in Brumbies and horses at the same time is this, is when I talk about game and pest species, specifically in an Australian context, what people may not be aware is that Australia has obviously has a long history of non-native, and I'm, I'm using air quotes, non-native species being released in Australia and the population exploding. Cane toads, uh, even non-wildlife species like prickly pear, your rabbits, your foxes. There's a, It's almost like there's this... this in my brain robin i'd love to hear your thoughts here is that to me there's a a separate classification for for those kinds of animals which i would consider pests and invasive species that that have these massive population boom cycles and the government has to step in and do some really drastic measures as you say the poisoning and whatnot and then you have your deer that to me are I would say non-native, but I wouldn't go so far as to classify them as a pest or invasive, because even a native species, even here in America, white-tailed deer, a native species can get to population levels that that are detrimental. Any wildlife species can get to population levels that are detrimental, that then require significant steps in management, i.e., helicopter culling. And so I think, again, it, it, to me, it ties back to a perception scenario. If, we are tr- or if we're interested in moving the needle in, in, in what, a, what we do as hunters, I think there's certainly a management role in that, in that argument, managing this non-native species. Because if you call this a pest species, then they're like, well, all you're doing is leaving it on the landscape. Versus, to me, a non-native species suggests a resource suggests something that I'm going to utilize, which, in the grand scheme of things, makes hunting more palatable. Look, you look,
0: you're on, that was the underlying theory, and still is, I believe, with the uh, Department of Primary Industries hunting unit. Um, when we put together the game species that would be hunted on public land, we differentiated between, let's call them, the game species, and we, and and what we were really pests, like. Cane toads and other things like that, and other species like that. <laughs> Even if there were fire ants, for example,
2: like a feral cat, feral. a feral cat is not a game. No, species. that's
0: right, and and so so we 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 had to differentiate that. And then the idea was that those species that we could promote, they were really then called a game species, and and we were interested in obviously being able to project the issue that we would help control the numbers of them, uh, but also because we also wanted to encourage the culture of utilising them and utilising them properly and not just wasting them. Uh, The the other thing about Australia is that it's a country of great waste. OK? They have no qualms at all um, uh, with the helicopter culling, for example, which has really only been running in New South Wales for about two or three years, of uh, the local land services running a program, for example, up in the... um, uh, up in the northern uh, Great Divide there, uh, up in the King Valley and places like that, um, where they would shoot, I think, in two or three runs over a few months. I think they ended up shooting about 7,500 fallow deer. <clears throat> wow. And uh, you could argue that those animals, of course, had overpopulated the area. But, there were, right, there, right? but they, the, the thing is that they're not allowed to shoot them on private land unless they get the permission of the property owner. Okay, so there are property owners that will say, no, no, I I don't care how many I got, I value them. I like to see them, I like to shoot them, I have friends that come and hunt on my place, they like to shoot them.
2: Well, there's, there's probably people saying to these private property owners that a light bulb is starting to go out, up in their brains, is that these things are valuable to me, not only because I like to see them, not only because I like to hunt them, not only because I like to shoot them, that, hey, there may be someone who's willing to pay $150 a day and,
0: and that, that is, to be on and my And that property. is already happening. That's already happening. And if that is part of the conservation model that works, that sees those animals properly utilised for, for meats and, and heads and capes and all that sort of stuff, then as far as I'm concerned, that's all fair game and we should be helping to promote that and, and, and play that game. Um, on the other side of the coin, you've got people that can go onto public land uh, with the purchase of a i don't even know what it is these days a fifty dollar per year license fee and and go on to one and a half million hectares of public land and pick where they want to go go online it's like a, a hotel booking system they have and go for your life as long as you stick with the rules and stay within your you know the g p s coordinates for the forest you're able to shoot any of those species there that are on the game or pest list um so you're quite right. That whole process, there is an argument there that can be put. And that was, we are hopefully advancing down that track. The trouble is with something like Samba Deer, for example, in Victoria. They, their adaption has been so good and so complete that, you know, we're seeing Samba now. Keep in mind that you start, you know, where Gippsland is in the southern, southern part of Victoria, where they were released probably 150, I think, years ago. They're now finding them right up in the uh, north of, uh, up around Armadale and places like that in New South Wales. And basically what I believe, I mean, I'm no, I'm no scientist, I'm just a humble accountant who likes to hunt and shoot things. But I think they run, you've got a net network of national parks that are managed through lockout rather than anything else here in Australia and certainly in New South Wales. You just created a highway to heaven for those animals for migration and 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 as they move the, the wave moves forward, and as time goes by, especially if you've got great seasons like we've had in the last three years with huge rainfall and massive regrowth, it just creates a perfect environment for these animals who are who will not only eat grass but they also will uh you know they'll they'll um they'll pick on various forms of bushes and all sorts of things that happen to be growing. They've adapted perfectly to the to the forest environment
2: yep. How, much, how close is Australia to, again, talking to the resource, talking to value add to this, this thing that you value and I value, how close is Australia to the uh, two models of utilization of the resource? Number one, like a donation program in which hunters go out, they have to take a certain amount of animals off a of property, and that food getting put back into the food chain but for soup kitchens and homeless shelters and all you know maybe some you know hard hit communities indigenous communities that's the first one and then second which is the next step would be what you just did with your polish at the polish club is uh, you know the, the venison making it's way into the food chain like a uk type system and being able to sell it into butchers and restaurants and stuff like
0: that well um, i think uh, look basically there's been no headway made on either of those fronts mm. um uh, when we ate venison last night with my friends uh, that was you know that was privately provided by me and cooked and only can be eaten by us you can't sell it um right uh, hunters for the hungry is a is a program that our safari club branch was pushing, or chapter was pushing. Um, my club currently pushes it. Um, but you cannot get government in New South Wales to bite on it. Um, unless it's got an abattoir stamp on it, they think it's unclean. Uh, they're they're okay. quite happy to see, and I don't know how much of it's going on at the moment, they're quite happy to see wild pigs um, shot in the wild and, and sent to the chillers. You would have heard people talk about that out west um and then see those pigs exported in chillers to um, certainly pre covid uh exported to places like germany and other parts of europe uh they would do the same occasionally with deer carcasses wild shot deer carcasses um but as far as domestic consumption whether it's for hunters for the hungry or selling uh wild shot venison to um to restaurants or game meat processors uh it's it's a it's simply a non-starter we just haven't been able to make any headway in that space i believe if we could get it going and certainly the model is there because um commercial kangaroo shooting is a big business in the bush in new south wales and other parts of australia uh so the culture's there it's able to be done the um uh, what is it? i suppose the processes are there but uh getting them to take that next step from shooting big old men kangaroos uh, for the chiller uh, and then going to to deer for human consumption rather than animal animal or uh, pet consumption uh, is a completely different story. And we just, as I say, we haven't made any headway really at all with that.
2: It's interesting. You do have the system in place, though, that you just mentioned. The kangaroo industry, both uh, in the the leather and the meat side is established
0: and uh, absolutely the precedence there uh, and those wild shot kangaroos that find their way onto the plate in Parliament House, you know because you can't farm That's kangaroos amazing. so the but you know if it comes to deer there's a there's a there's a blockage there that um, uh-huh. look we'll keep pushing on that door but it's not uh,
2: you just need to walk around Parliament with like a silver platter with hors d'oeuvres and just <laughs> serve dear hors d'oeuvres to everyone every so often <laughs> well it, it, the
0: rules well, I won't go into that, but the rules the rules about bringing um meat into the place is you know it's got to be certified to being killed in a babattoir or whatever it happens to be i don't know it's got to have certain certificates on it i don't i it's all too complicated for me i'm just a i'm just a humble uh
2: Well they could do the same thing as as kangaroos. These sharpshooters are shooting kangaroos in the head. Um do the same thing with deer.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. One hundred percent. Um
2: there's a there's a I don't know if you've heard of them, but there's a, a guy out of uh the guy out of Hawaii. Uh his his company's name is Maui Nui. And he's been the first person to get a USDA FDA Food and Drug Administration certified wild venison that he can commercially sell in the U S and it's access deer in on in on the Hawaiian islands and he's got this process in place and it's very onerous, but it's taken him, you know, probably five to eight years to get it set up, but they've got a mobile processing unit mm-hmm. on site that they go, they take wherever they go and shoot and they do it at night. They do it with suppressors. They do it in every which way to, to, to do like what you guys do with kangaroos, yeah, yeah. and then you process it right then and there. There's, there's inspectors with the team. It's incredible. But it, it's almost like the model that would be needed for Australia for it to be, quote-unquote, validated.
0: But there, is a, there have been a couple of people in the last few years that have exactly that type of model that have been trying to get it going, that I know of in New South Wales, but they just haven't been able to push through. We, we've made representations for them. Um, to the Department of Agriculture. But it's just, uh, especially um, when you've got uh, in government, um, and it might be different after the next election if we get a new government, that that there's a a mob called the National Party who are meant to be representing the bush, and they are very traditional. It's sheep and cattle, and and that's it. And uh, politically, if they were to do anything to support uh, shooters hunting deer that would they know they'd be supporting our constituents, so they've got to make sure they do the opposite and that's really what it gets down to and that's why we saw uh, uh, John Barilaro, then leader of the National Party since left parliament uh, last year, but he, he provided an initial injection of just over 10 million dollars to the local land services to fund uh, helicopter shooting programs because by doing that um, he was uh satisfying i suppose a certain constituency within the national party but also satisfying the fact that uh if the deer are dead on the ground then shooters party supporters won't get them <laughs> so uh you know this is this is just uh yeah and you know I, I shake my head i think
2: isn't politics wonderful
0: well i i haven't figured out yet and you know i'm not a, i'm not a young man anymore but i haven't figured out where and when did Australia, or certainly in New South Wales, I can't speak of other states, lose its connectivity with the bush? You know, um, the, the, the the you know the uh, the bronze Aussie or you know down the beach we get that that's still around. Um, but the 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 man from Snowy River uh, is is dead and buried, mate. He doesn't exist river. anymore. What a film! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Tom Berlinson, Yeah, right down. I introduced
2: my boys. <laughs> to The Man from Snowy River and The Man from Snowy River too whilst I was in Australia,
0: <laughs> oh, that's that's great. Well, you could get into the issue of brumbies too. You mentioned them earlier, but we don't need, we don't need to talk about that. But uh, that, no, that's a, that's a we have the same issue
2: here in the uh, states. That's
0: the same. That's a classic classic case of uh, of uh, of problems in uh, of of those giant hooved animals in a environment uh, a very delicate environment in the uh, in the mountains uh, in a in a well, or Kosciuszko National Park, actually, down south. And uh, mm-hmm. th- that's an ongoing argument. And
2: wrapped around the um, the emotiveness of that. Oh, animal. absolutely,
0: absolutely but. right. Um, I- I've told them how they've got to do it. I mean, they want to. This government actually had talked about helicopter shooting with 308s, and and uh, we voted against it in the House. Um, and we said, no, no, we don't believe that you should be doing that. There's, there's only one way you're going to do this if you want to reduce the numbers, and that is you got to get out there with uh, in the middle of winter with suppressors with thermal gear and uh mm-hmm. and control the numbers keep a count and knock them off that way and then work out mm-hmm. what you got to do with the carcasses after that if you truly believe that you don't want to destroy the environment there and i've seen some horrific pictures of delicate uh, ecosystems in the Highlands down south there That uh, these horses that In places there are far too many of them that's, there's, there's no doubt about that But politically because of the values The man from Snowy River values Government can't bring itself to, to do what needs to be done And if they are doing it They're yep. not going to do it in a way I believe that's humane So Right, right
2: Well we won't jump down that rabbit hole uh, um,
0: We'll stay away from it
2: Robert Borsak, it sounds like It sounds like we're climbing the hill in New South Wales, in terms of hunting and, and opportunities, and you know we didn't touch on it, but you know, it, it's, it's, it seems a little bit like old news, but it's worth saying at the end. You just recently got a victory in New South Wales, which is the, uh, the, the opportunity or has it passed yet? Maybe you can give us an update of 12-year-olds' youth being able to use archery equipment and hunt with someone that's responsible and adult and go dog hunting at the same and, and, and use dogs for hunting in New South Wales.
0: Yeah, well, that, uh, it's funny that that only came about and was drawn uh, to the attention of the media uh, because the Animal Justice Party people decided that they would make it a, uh, a feature. And I think they shot themselves in the foot. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible analogy, but I think they did. Um, and it really related specifically to public land hunting because the way we set it up, all those years ago um you you could really only uh, participate in the hunt if you had a, a license but you couldn't get a license uh, uh at, at any age other than uh, i think under 16 something like that so you give, and what we didn't realize at the time when we did all that stuff is that uh whole families go out and do this and um. and it could be deemed to be participating in the hunt if you actually walked alongside your father or your brother or something like that and and uh and you know handled a firearm because at the age of 12 you can have a miner's permit to shoot but you couldn't get an air license so it's a logical change to to simply allow that to be to be done and then uh that that in turn was misinterpreted completely and and lied and in the end of the day they they made fools of themselves i mean they were running around for example and saying that uh Toddlers were going to have access to bows to <laughs> to <laughs> to kill animals. You know how terrible that is. Well, I mean, my granddaughter's a toddler. She's three years old. She could even pick one up, let alone pull one and draw one. Let, right. let alone know what she's doing. Right. So the whole thing is 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 silly nonsense, of course. And um, so we and that that's a regulation review. So uh, I I believe that that reviews. It was just it was in draft form and it was it's going through the process and hopefully. It'll become law come uh, sometime soon.
2: Excellent. Yeah. Excellent news. Excellent news. Well, Robert Borsak, it's, uh, it's been a great pleasure. And I, my only regret is that um, we didn't do this before I came to Australia so that we could have had a, a beer and, and shared and swapped hunting stories, um, maybe even at the Polish club. Maybe we can do that one day.
0: <laughs> well, there's a new one coming up. We should have a new one built in the by about May or June next year. So, uh, yeah, you're welcome to come any time. We can have a beer, have a Polish beer.
2: Well, I plan to be in Australia again early next year, so I'll be certain to um, look you up and uh, no, I'd, shake your hand and have a beer. Well,
0: I'd be pleased to host you, most definitely. Thank you very much for the invitation and uh, the opportunity to talk. I, you've got me on the area of interest of mine that is very deep, and, uh, uh, yeah, I... I I've devoted what's left of my life to it and i think in as you i think characteristically say that uh, we are on a long slow ink betterment i suppose we're going up the slope slowly here in new south wales other states maybe not so much but um uh we're not afraid to call ourselves hunters anymore we're not yobbos uh we don't get around at night uh doing silly things anymore at least that's the way they like to characterize us and uh and we'll look to expand more public land hunting because it's uh, such a great thing and, uh, and try to uh, uh, re- get as many, much of the game animals we love to hunt reclassified and utilised properly and not wasted. So thanks again very much, Rob. And uh, look, forward, no, well look forward to seeing you here in Sydney sometime soon.
2: Yes, sir. Well said. Thank you so Cheers. much. Cheers.
0: All the best. Bye.
2: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always.